This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Senior JU Israel Educator Michael Unterberg, and today joined as always by co-host and director of JU Israel, Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Oh, Hashem, doing good, Mike. Where it's just you, me, and Ben today. Yep. I hope they don't get the board of just the two of us. <laughs> uh, they probably will. Uh, let's start today with a correction. I said last week, a very embarrassing one, we went down to Kibbutz Alumim, and I referred to it as Kibbutz Alumot, so somehow I changed the name from masculine, masculine to feminine conjugation. Well, it's like we talk in our class. You get it out quickly or... Right. Yeah. And well. Then, yeah. You know, I was in a right. We, we were in we, a rush to get the episode a, out. Yeah. Not an excuse, but yeah. Uh, no, I'm saying that, that yeah, I was exhausted yeah. from teaching and then driving down and then driving back, back up and also we, we didn't to have get Ben it out with that. us, so I engineered yeah. it and then I edited it. It took a long time, and I was just so tired that to get it out. No, but I'm saying we wanted to get it out quick because it was yeah. timely. So yeah. So we made a mistake. Actually, for us, we probably just we probably should start every week with corrections of last week, but we probably don't notice. <laughs> but if, if assuming we're 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 not making so many, that's pretty good. 120 whatever yeah. episodes. I think we've only had to do one or two corrections. So. Yeah. Uh, but I apologize. Yeah. Uh, today we want to do our postponed state of the state Israel at 71 episode. Yeah. Uh, it's a week after Yom Atzmaut instead of before, but I think that's okay. Yeah, well, we're still in this time period, really, of the of the re-establishment of Jewish sovereignty in our homeland, which is really this whole time period between uh, Passover and Shavuot, which yeah. encompasses um, Independence Day and Memorial Day and uh, Holocaust Memorial Day and... English speakers often call, refer to this as Jerusalem. the Yoms. Yeah, and Ju- Jerusalem Day yeah. and... The Yoms. Uh, the Yoms, yeah. I don't think Israelis call it that because that would no, sound no. super dumb. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like all the, these commemorative days like of major Ma, events. we called the dining room the Chadar, as opposed to the Chadar Ochel. Right, that's and ridiculous. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes My it, kids always make fun of that. Well, English speakers use these Hebrew slangs in a way that to Israeli ears where Hebrew is a native language. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but So let's, last year we, we, we did a, sort of a report card episode looking, and you can go back and listen to it, we, we, we ranked Israel, how well is it keeping its, the promise of the Declaration of Independence? We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to look at the different philosophical approaches to Zionism at the turn of the 20th century and see how well the actual realized Israel in 2019 is living up to their dreams of what they hoped to build in a Zionist state. Can you, just off the top of your head, I, you didn't really prepare, but uh, sort of big events, big changes, big things that happened this past year? Wow. Uh, okay. Well, obviously we have to see the Gaza. Gaza is a huge one because we've had numerous rounds. I don't even know how many rounds now of um, very short, intensive fighting. Um, it's with a Hamas new tactic really from Islam Gaza. Yeah. This, this, this short, heavy you know, we had bombardment, the ori- bombardment, yeah, um, and in Israel again, of course, responding to that, and 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 so um, that's been that's been going on in numerous rounds this this year, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we had the we had the um, uh, what municipality elections mm-hmm. and uh, regional elections earlier in the year, which was. Um, Certain uh, outstanding things was like the Beit Shemesh mayor, a religious woman was chosen as the mayor of Beit Shemesh. Mm-hmm. That was seen as a big, 
as a big kind of grassroots revolution because it seems, seems the only way that could happen is if many young Haredim ultra-Orthodox would vote for her um, and from the religious Zionist camp, and that happened. Um, we saw, of course, the national elections, mm-hmm. which we're still in the midst of because we still don't have a government. No coalition yet. No coalition, so no government. So Lieberman of uh, Israel Beitenu is still not willing to sign the deal until his demands are met. Um, yeah. You're cynical. Don't think that uh, it'll come to they'll, they'll come to a degree. He'll compromise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, if not, then I'm sure there's some other rabbit that BB has in his hat. So mm-hmm. well, not really. Um, I would say that uh, also we have the Eurovision that uh, that Israel won the Eurovision 2018, which means that Israel got gets to host the Eurovision, Eurovision 2019, which is going on right now. Um, which I think when we talk about cultural cultural uh, Zionism, we'll maybe have to touch on that. But that was a big thing. That's a big international stage. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think uh, America recognized America. Oh, right? the oh. Golan, even though Israel kind of doesn't. Oh, we moved the, by the way, in this period, within the last year, since last you know, Independence Day, they moved the embassy. That's I within forgot. the last Independence Day? Yeah, I believe. I think it was in May last year. Wasn't it May 15th? Oh, the on actual... Nak- was it the Nakba Day? It was... Oh, yeah. I think it was. All right, Which yeah. would be like a year ago this week. Right. Um, or tomorrow. That today the American or tomorrow. embassy is now in Jerusalem. Yeah. Today or tomorrow. And of course, recognizing the Golan and the changes have come there. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, a long year. <laughs> every year in Israel is a momentous year. And yeah. this is this year is no exception. What about this premise of there were in you know does the modern let's define Zionism for okay. this conversation yes. and then we'll define define the Zionist movement and then the sub movements. I am not one of those people who likes to say there were multiple Zionist movements. I think that the idea of the con- well until the breakaway of the revisionists, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> there was one Zionist Congress where all these different well that that was the that was the the why Herzl's remembered as the father of Zionism because there were a lot of ideas out there mm-hmm. and he said look let's all get together in one room and talk them out so what uh, are, let's have a conference and so Jews have been having conferences since about this stuff but right. but that was the big the what we would say you know in the Shiva Chiddush right the big new thing that 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 Herzl brought to it was really getting everybody together and say let's talk this thing out let's be one movement with many multiple potential ideas but one movement uh, so let me see you tell me if you think I'm doing a good job defining yeah. the core and then we'll we'll take a look at the sub movements and see if they're they how they would rate the modern state of Israel. Okay, that's our thought experiment for today. Yeah. So I would say argue that the core definition of the modern Zion, if Zionism is a Jew being patriotic, loving his people, loving his homeland, that's very broad definition. Which I'm I think that's actually my kind of working definition. I think, but modern the modern Zionist movement that we talk of that built this state, I think is articulates as follows. The Jews are a nation. Every nation has the right to rule itself and the need to rule itself for its own prosperity and security. Therefore, the Jews need to reunify and rebuild our state, preferably in our homeland. And like by 1903, that's already a pretty closed. There were some talk about, does it have to be in the ancient homeland? Could it be in a new land? By 1903, that issue is more or less closed. It has to be in the ancient homeland. Is that a fair assessment of the core, whatever the disagreements were, the core ideology of Z- modern Zionist movement in nineteen in the turn of the 20th, early 20th century. 
Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think, I think of course, we see within the different movements, so there's different ways to do that and how to do that and when that's going to happen. That's where but the disagreement, the, but that's or, where, and what, what should our focus right. be, and what should our priorities exactly. be, that's where the sub-movements form. And that, right, and that's, where we, well, that's why we say the different ideas within the movement. Yeah. But everybody's kind of saying, okay, we're one movement, even when that, that the criticism is super, super harsh. Yeah. Um, and I would even say later when you're going to say we say that the revisionists broke away, it was tactical, not necessarily ideological in that sense. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think tactical that ideological. Yeah, not they that, didn't disagree with this idea. No, they still agreed with that core idea, and so that political difference over do we make statehood the official goal or right. not? Uh, that's what they ended up breaking into a right. separate uh, Congress. Immigration, all kinds right. of things. Specific that, political mm-hmm. arguments. But that core idea of Zionism has always remained at the core of all forms of Zionism. And so mm-hmm. I am not I like to think of the, the modern Zionist movement as one movement with subgroups. Like in a democracy, mm-hmm. you have parties. So in the pre-state era, you had a movement and it had different factions. Right. Of one, you know, meta movement. Right. And then we and generally, even though this is obviously whenever you break things down into categories, you overgeneralize and there's even with ha- the, in those movements, there's it's handy. sub or in those in those groups, there's subgroups. And right. that, but we generally they're broken into four big, big uh, groups or mm-hmm. of thought or ideas. Um, the first one, which is we call political or later became really known as revisionist, those sort of um morphed and then there's the labor zionists um and then there were the religious and the cultural zionists those are our four basic groups we talk about and at a certain point you talk mm-hmm. about practical zionists which really end up being the labor zionists as other but, terminology yeah but even practical zionists is i think an idea that is a sub idea that runs through many of the different ones because everybody's practical zionism was let's do th- do things on the ground let's not just talk but do things on the ground um and you have to even with cultural zionism doing things on the ground Right, opening university. Right. Uh, so I think practical Zionism is an idea. It's a is a. I, I like to think of it anyway as this idea that permeates the mood with with the beginning of the second Aliyah. Yeah. Um, of 1904 to it becomes a less useful term in retrospect. Even yeah. as even in real time, at the Zionist Congress, you had Herzl pursuing the political. Yeah. Uh, uh, track and others saying that we have to rebuild in Palestine. Right. So that term becomes less useful. It gets folded into a couple of movements. Right. I would also say that we should look at the Arabs as a fifth sort of group. Doesn't really represent a yeah. particular ideology. Oh, that's a good idea. But what do they think of what came out? Hmm. And I think for every movement, we should be able to find in this thought experiment things that not only are are they happy about? I would argue there you will probably find for each of these movements things that exceeded their dreams and expectations. Right. And also for each of those movements, you should probably find disappointments. Right. Things that they were hoping for that really haven't come to pass. Right. Should you start with labor because that became the animating driving force of the second Aliyah? The future leaders of the state, Ben Gurion and Golda Meir, okay. all came from Yeah, okay. Labor Zionism. Sure. Am I, did you want something else? Or no. You sound a little... No, I just sometimes, you know, I, I, I get into my chronological thinking, which is a history teacher, which isn't a good thing, which is, you know, starting with uh, Herzl and the political, but I think let's start with the labor. Let's you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be a, a pedantic history teacher, Ellen. You should be <laughs> exactly. very like, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> that's the pot calling the kettle black. But for the, for the sake of this, we're not going to go fine. chronologically. Labor, labor I, 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 you know, when we talk about labor, if people want to picture who we're talking about, so... I think Ben Gurion is a good 
But of course, he wasn't really the ideologue. He was the guy driving it. You have Beryl Katz Nelson is the real, I think. Right. Probably the Thomas Jefferson to Ben-Gurion's George Washington, yeah. if I was making a sloppy historical yeah. analogy. And, in, and unfortunately, he dies before the Declaration of the State, I think, yeah. in 44 or something. I don't so. remember, but yeah, but um, heartbreakingly. Yeah. But, but that sort of branch of the Zionist world, whose ideology yeah. By is... By the way, when he dies, Ben-Gurion... It pull, he's told he's in a hotel in Tel Aviv, and all night long he's he wraps himself in a sheet and just sits on his bed saying, if Beryl is, is gone, everything is lost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we see Ben-Gurion, but for Ben-Gurion, Katzenelson was really his, that's, uh, as a, that, his ideologue. I, I, you know, that, that sort of, that becomes a legendary moment because we, we always think of him as this bulldog, Churchillian, you yeah. know, full steam ahead leader. And so moments of him being... feel. A sense of weakness in Ben-Gurion is striking yeah. and becomes sort of legendary moments. Um, ideologically, motivated largely by some sort of neo-Marxist philosophy that says that the Jews have to build some sort of socialist utopia. A re, you know, A.D. Gordon in the movement is stressing the importance of a return to an agricultural lifestyle so, of we... the Jews leaving a sort of what we today would call a white-collar lifestyle mentality and going back to yeah. becoming people with dirty fingernails. So can we take a step back here? I think sure. this is a little bit, uh, um, I don't know. Uh, uh, but when you're talking about Zionism before, I think it's important when we, when we talk about the different movements is the question that they're addressing, mm -hmm. right? And the question they're always addressing is this Jewish question. Mm -hmm. Where What is the Jews' place in the modern world? Mm -hmm. And and they don't fit in because they don't fit. They're not fitting in in Europe, right? Yeah. They're responding to the negative processes that are happening in Europe. We're not going to go into now, but I'm sure everybody's familiar with. Yeah. So the labor Zionist answer was, oh, the problems are economic, right? Essentially, and when there's a socialist revolution, there will no longer be a Jewish question. But that there's an intermediate stage where the Jews also need sovereignty in their own land because it, it can't happen. It's not going to—that social revolution, the Jews need to be in their own land and be part of that worldwide socialist. Making a world of, of equality and shared responsibility, yeah. uh, non-materialistic, hardworking, you know, sort of taking those values and building a new Jew right. in a new state exactly. that lives by those values. I, I will also point out, if we're taking that step— And, and, and very much back to the land, the, this idea of— of being connected to the land and creating the land and planting things that Jews were not, were, were did much more well, this on a limited basis. This on. may be too harsh to say, yeah. but I'm going to say it that way anyway. Yeah, I think to a certain extent it takes to heart this this anti-Semitic complaint of the Jew as a parasite, right. living on the fringes of society as a merchant and a money lender, without really having a stake in the life of the nation. The labor Zionist movement says, you know. They're they're kind of right. No, and we if have you to, see A.D. Gordon's words, he says that all, all explicitly. Saying, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we we have lost what it means to be a nation, and part of that is being people of the land and loving the land and being connected to the land. Um, yeah. And so, you know, they promoted this idea of, of Jewish Jewish work as opposed to hiring foreign workers. Now, I just in in that step back mode. Yeah, I will point out that we often describe that early the, the Zionists. As this sort of shelter mentality, that because of oppression and anti-Semitism, we need a place to go, and this will become the shelter. Now, that's not untrue, that's not wrong, but I think it misses the point of those Zionist formulations. The, it, it was, we are unhealthy, and we have to become normal. We have become right. aberrant as a diaspora people, 
And a return to the homeland will be a return to normalcy. Right, because Jews are limited in what they do. And now this will be a society where Jews do everything. And because we, a, a nation in diaspora right. is not a normal nation. Right. There is no, most Italians live in Italy. Right. Most, I don't know, Indonesians right. live in Indonesia. Most Jews live everywhere right. all around the world. We don't have a homeland where we live together. And so one thing that I think, so so first of all, I, I do think part of the anti-Zionist, new anti-Semitism of the 21st century is, it's not fair, I understand the Jews needed a shelter, but it's not fair to steal land from somebody else to give the Jews a shelter. Right. I don't think that's an accurate assessment of the Zionist movement. The Zionist movement definitely Which, was concerned with shelter, but that wasn't the, if you look at the Declaration of Independence, it makes clear, and I guess we're back to Declaration <laughs> for a second, every nation has to be free and rule itself and to be normal and healthy, and we demand that right, like every other nation on right. earth. Whether we're we're in danger whether there's anti-Semitism or not. Right. Which is that, uh, I would just point out, the Democratic mini- uh, Congresswoman from Michigan. Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib, who started this whole controversy that's going on of her talking about uh, Holocaust Memorial Day and Palestine, all kinds of stuff, whatever, all deep in that is that narrative, oh, the Jews needed a safety and that's okay, but why did they displace the Palestinians? Right. But that, no, that's not the narrative. narrative the Jews... Needed to be a nation, return home like to become healthy sovereign. and normal. So, according to the labor science, how we do by the it. way, according to the labor science. Well, first of all, let's start with the fact that this, as of this year, with over nine million citizens of the state of Israel, over six and a half million of those citizens are Jewish. Yeah, that means forty-five percent of the world's population, world's Jewish uh, population. 45? Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was 42, but 45, wow, we're even getting closer. That's according to the new forty-five percent of the world's wow. Jewish population now lives in Israel. Now that's. That's as high as we've been, and we're getting close to the 50% mark. But that is not normal. Okay, why is it not normal, Mike? Because there is no nation that 55% of its of its population lives outside the homeland. There is no nation that the majority of its... I don't know of any existing nation on Earth that the majority of its population live in the diaspora. So you say that the Zionism... The, so you would go according to Ben-Gurion and the labor... And at least Ben-Gurion's track that... The truth is that most Jews really should be living in Israel. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, that that was his his base, and so therefore within that we still have a lot to do. And I think that I applies mean, we've, to we've others also. The political also. I mean, Herzl's describing a return to normalcy. Normalcy includes, you know, if most right. Italians live in Italy, then most Jews should live in Israel. That's just what normal nations do. Right. Most. I mean, name it, most French people live in France. Like, that's so, just normal. So to play devil's advocate a little bit, or to push on this a little bit, yeah. yeah, but the truth is that most Israelis live in Israel. Most Israelis live in Israel. But Israel, the Zionist, Zionism is based on the idea that the Jews are a nation, and Israel will be the name of its state. And so, therefore, we have this awkward thing where, you know, if they had named the modern state instead of Israel, Judea, or Yehuda, then Yehudim... Jews, which okay. is what Jews is, is the modern English word form of Judean. So then that, that would be less confusing. We would understand that to be a Yehudi means to be from Yehuda and belong to Yehuda. They named it Israel for various reasons. So we would we would then have an awkward situation of what does it mean to be an Arab? Exactly. Well, Yehudi, we still have. We and come, especially in this definition, what does it mean to be an Arab Israeli in the so that the language becomes that that is politically Zionist. complicated, but at least the language is comprehensible to say we have Jewish Israelis and Arab Israelis as a modern state, yeah. citizen-wise, that, that becomes comprehensible language. But the idea that this is the we have rebuilt Yehuda 
for the Yehudim right. is the animating idea. We have built Judea for the Judeans, and every Jew is a Judean, and all belong here. Right. So in that concept, and you don't have to be a Zionist, you don't have to be a labor Zionist, right. but this is the Zionist claim, and, 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 right. Right? and, and articulated unabashedly by people like Ben-Gurion, this is where all the Jews should leave. I had I had the honor of having Nechama Leibovitz as one of my teachers, and she made Aliyah from Germany in the interwar period. And she said she and her friends understood why so many Jews weren't coming before there was a state when it was still Palestine under the British mandate. That was a kind of scary thing to do. But she said, as a young woman, I naively thought in 1948, all the Jews was, would come pouring in now because yeah. now we have a state after 2000 years. I thought all the Jews would come back. And me and my friends and I could not understand why that was. And this was in the 90s that I had her as a teacher. And she said, you know, it's so many years later and I still don't understand. Okay. So there's been great accomplishments that almost half of world juries progress. is is in is yeah. in the, is in the Jewish state. Yeah. However, there's a lot to go there. Progress, but not success. All right. What about economy? Uh, I I think that the economic superpower that is the state of Israel would impress them, right. but I think that the type of economy it is would depress them. Meaning? The fact that so many kibbutzim have unraveled. The kibbutz the kibbutzim were the sort of flagship institutions of the labor Zionists. Yeah. These these commu these communes that lived by socialist principles, really, and, and they had outsized. Uh, influence oh. in the Israeli mito, mitos uh, met, uh, founding know, mythology and and, and, and no, but even but even really yeah. practically like the yeah. lead the, the 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 spearhead of so many of Israel's successes right. came from the kibbutz movement even though even at its greatest time there's only about six percent of the population was living yep. on kibbutzim yep but, but they had outsized their outsized right. mythology because right. they had outsized sort of celebrity, in, whether it was in the military, whether it was in... And the idea, like Yitzhak Rabin wanted yeah. to be a farmer, but was yep. called to the national, yep. you know, uh, you know, endeavor of being in the army and then pol politics. So so really the turn away, and uh, you know, it's still, Israel still has... I, I want to tweak that a little bit more because I think, you know, people say, yeah, but the high tech, it's so a development. And I, I, th I do think they would be impressed, but... That core claim of you need to produce, the idea of going back to the land was that you produce. And uh, in some ways, it's almost smacking of that same thing, because what we're producing here in our high-tech high uh, revolution, you could say, is research and development. Correct. Not now, the actual I'll, product, right? I'll push that, back on that, that's though. Going by, a little bit. I'll push back. Yeah. Some of that high-tech is in the world of agriculture. That right. we're making, you know, w water resources work better. That, you know, I went to one. There you go again with your drip irrigation, right? You can't have a conversation. As long as we <laughs> stay away from cherry tomatoes, I'm okay. But the, you know, high tech dairy farming where there's little sensors on the cow and the udders and the milk that right. that they're selling. So some of it. So on the one hand. Well, first of all, let's let's be clear. Israel exports produce, a country that had right. like un was unable. A country that wasn't producing enough produce to build a nation in the right. early 20th century now exports right. produce all around the world. There you, you go with buy... your cherry tomatoes. <laughs> well, you know, they're not all grown here in Israel, but Israel, you know, when I was a kid, it was just Jaffa oranges. Now it's right. basically almost, you know, right. anything under the sun you can buy that's, that's sent food and, and right. uh, 
a lot of that labor is being right, like done. Like the the like the protests you have over that milkies are cheaper in Germany than they are right. in Israel, right? right. That, that some of those products we pay more for here. Yeah, which is whatever. <laughs> that I do think has to do with the socialized economy, but like like weird government intervention, and there there is some remnants of the socialist economy, but the economy has become very uh, capitalistic. Uh, I, we employ a lot of foreign workers for agriculture. Jews are not right. doing that labor for the most part, right? Which is not what the labor Zionists wanted. They wanted to change the character. It was actually opposite. Actually, they sent a delegation in the early 20th century to Yemen to get more Jews to come from Yemen yep. because they wanted the the Jewish labor. <laughs> yeah, they wanted them to do the the Jewish labor, which in of itself was smacks at that next issue we have to talk about with the the elitism of the labor party. But yeah. but. Um, so they, w I agree with you that they would not be happy with the foreign work. I, I think that um, being dependent, and also by the way, you go to the kibbutzim, even those that aren't dependent on foreign labor, many are also still dependent in their factories and things for um, those who live in the, the areas who are not on the kibbutz, in the urban areas, especially the those oh, yeah. who are social socioeconomically on a lower level because they don't want to do that work anymore. How many kibbutzim are left labor. in Israel? I think there was something like 250, maybe. Still? I think that that's what I thought said, it was much fewer. privatized, but... Yeah, no, no. How many a, that are working as real kibbutzim, oh, not oh, the privatized? I oh, I don't know. It's don't not know. more We're than a couple dozen, right? There's not a lot. Whatever. Of the, sure. they, most of them have privatized to be able to function in the capitalist yeah. economy. And the ones that have not privatized are the ones that had developed such tremendous industry that they, it's like they're rich enough that they can be kibbutzim, right. basically. Now, I think also you have to bring up with with dis disappointments is is the uh, materialistic consumer culture that Israel has joined in, uh, yeah. really like the rest of the Western world, like, um, you know. Yeah, and the influence of, you know, sort of American. I mean, you got to say it, it's not just Western, it's Americanism. It is American. Um, this, you know, this love of consumer goods and, and building a, a, you know, what what I think the labor Zionists would have seen as excessive luxury, a desire for excessive luxury, whereas you know this simple agrarian lifestyle right. was the goal to build in the new Jew. I don't think the Israelis are that new Jew. Yeah, right. I mean that's uh, um, yeah. I I think that that's so uh, booming. It's a good uh, booming economy, economy, massive employment of Jews, booming agriculture. Exporting agriculture, definitely they've changed from the old Jew. We are not, you know, if if the goal was that we not be Mendel Moicher Svarim, that yeah. sort of ghettoized uh, Jew, the Israeli is not that. Yeah, uh, but he's not what Ben Gurion and Katz Nelson and Ad Gordon either. Right. So uh, yeah, he's a he's really uh, taking on this advanced. Uh, Modern identity, you could say. Yeah. Um, which they, but of course, they were since they were working for a socialist revolution, their idea of a modern identity was not this global capitalist identity. Right. Uh, but just, I think brings us into the cultural Zionism. I think we should take that next. Cultural because, Zionism, Acharaam is the major figure. Yeah. The idea that Israel become the, if not, he, he, was, he was less concerned that right away the majority of the world's Jews live in Israel, that it should become a base where there's at least a Jewish minority creating authentic Jewish a, culture. A strong center. A strong yeah. center, even if it's a small group that's right creating this culture. Because again, they, he saw, let's say, what did he see the big problem facing the Jews in the diaspora was? He, he saw it was Jewish identity, actually. Mm -hmm. That coming out of the ghetto, 
um, and having forced to change that they, they, they were losing really a sense of who they were. And Many assimilated, identity. and if not, yeah. they acculturated to a degree that Jewish identity itself was under threat. Like yeah. what, at a certain point, acculturation, adapting to, if you're not in a ghetto, then you adapt yeah. to your culture, and then eventually that leads to assimilation. And so, so he felt at, building a strong Jewish enclave in hopefully Palestine would mean that there would be an authentic Jewish sort of culture ferment of ideas and expressions that and, could then empower right. Jewish identity throughout the diaspora. Right, because in a sense of on Tete Torah, from out of Zion goes the Torah, not now, we're not talking about the traditional Torah of, you know, Orthodox Judaism, but the Torah of cultural, a new cultural Jewish identity culture. for Jews, Jewish culture. It wasn't that he wasn't, he was insensitive to the suffering of the Jews in in Europe, especially Eastern Europe and the pogroms. He was from there. It's just that he said, look, Jews have been living with this for, since the diaspora began. <laughs> so ultimately- the, We've created culture as yeah. guests within the milieu of our hosts. Yeah. And it's time for us to be, to have our so own home threat, where we right. create our own. And the real threat is assimilation. Yeah. Um, so- how do, you, how, do we, how do we do? 2019. Well, so one of the things we have to see that comes out of this is Hebrew language. I mean, that that is just a phenomenon. That yeah, that crazy. is a phenomenon that one absolute Hebrew speaking throughout. My my, my uh, it took very many years for my family to get it. Like what they learn math in Hebrew, your kids in school. <laughs> it was like when I get my credit card bill, a, yeah. it's in Hebrew. Why yeah. would you make a credit card bill? It's a dead yeah. language. Why would I, why <laughs> do I have? Why do I have, you know, why why is my receipt in Hebrew? Like that doesn't, so yeah, I buy a donut, my receipt's in Hebrew. What does that mean? What is that? That's phenomenal. I just, but I, on the other hand, I just shared with you, uh, uh, Tik it's one of it's this hip hop band, uh-huh. new song of Ivrita Chadasha, oh. the new Hebrew, which, which goes is through all the English. Borrow words. You know, it's oh, like I want to see that. All the, all the new English, like all the, how the way they use English in Hebrew. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's really funny. Um, uh, well, but it, that's still part of a living language yeah, as opposed yeah. to... For sure. Um, you also have the majority of Israelis have a Seder, like Hanukkah candles, yeah. live, I would say, authentically Jewish lives what, by by nobody... When you go to the Mass, there's no particular standard that is the most successful, Yeah, but they're authentically Jewish by some degree, in, in, at least in their own definition, right? Yeah, for sure. And again, but that's the whole thing. Like I like to think, what is it? What is the 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 one of the I would say accomplishments of cultural Zionism, uh, Zionism is the fact that Rosh Hashanah is a two day holiday where Israelis are out on the beach and yeah. having barbecues. You know, uh, I'm talking about yeah, obviously those, there's a big you know, uh, that, motorcycle. Uh, uh, Caravan that this yeah. is a national say, motorcycle well, ride. Was that what we wanted? Well, that's the idea. It's a modern nation, and Russia shouldn't. That, that's the beginning of the year. That's yeah. your celebrate because that's your calendar. And Israel actually still manages, even though we we have to integrate with the Gregorian calendar and the rest of the year. We still flow the ebb. And, we still follow the ebb and flows of a of a three thousand year old calendar. Or, you know, at least two thousand years. Whatever it is, yeah. Meaning, you know, however that, it's used. Yeah, yeah. That that that's crazy. That's incredible. That is incredible. Um, I would also say that Israeli art and culture, you know, is flourishing. You know, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, music or or theater or movies or or painting or sculpture or there are Israelis creating effectively a cuisine. You have you know Israeli chefs who are famous throughout the world, yeah. creating native cultural expression, literature, philosophy, you know, every field of academics that, so that 
so that culturally, there the, it, it, Israel is very involved in all aspects of culture that would have concerned Achad Ha'am. Right. Do you think that Israeli culture is the Jewish culture he was talking about, though? Oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. In other words, uh, you mentioned that one of our big accomplishments this year was Eurovision. Yeah. We won a Eurovision song. Yeah. The song Toy. Toy by Netta. Yeah. yeah. Got Bar Barzilai. Is that what... Thanks, uh, <laughs> Good thing Ben's here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that what Achad Ha'am was... So the first thing about that, which is... I'm going to go for a negative because we've been doing such positive. Even though you could say, oh, it's positive. Well, but, we said the positive. We have to find the disappointment, the, the, right? The, the song is in English. The Eurovision song that won, you know, in uh, Abani B in what was it, 70 or whatever yeah. it was, was a, you know, authentic Hebrew song. Authentically, Obano be a boy bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's nothing. Crazy. The bad. other words are Hebrew, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying it's a Hebrew song. This is now English songs. And all the I mean, if that's... A that, lot of popular oh, Israeli yeah. musicians are writing in English. Yeah, because they want to get to that greater market. Yeah. Um, so how, how much how much is that? So where you have in Israel itself an, uh, sort of a, a, a homegrown, you know, music industry... That you could talk, look back at the Steyrot sound of the 90s where it in, brought in Mizrahi music, you know, Jews from Arab land music and with modern pop and all those. So um, so that's a great thing. But now you see so many, so many Israeli bands really trying I mean, to fit into that global The popularity of trance and electronic music oh, is such right. a borrowed thing from European yeah. culture. And so it's a mix. Yeah. In other words, yes, uh, real creativity real art, real culture, real Jewish identity, but is it the renaissance of Jewish creativity? Are we on the verge of a new Bible, a new, you know, that that level of, and, you know, 71 years, I don't think that was ever going to be a realistic expectation, but we certainly haven't realized the dream of a Am, I don't think. Um, Although, uh, massive success, yeah, I don't know. but I a think long it, way to go. I, I would maybe argue that we got closest the culture of Zionism than the others. That's funny. I would argue that it's one of the least successful. Uh, because, you know, I mean, j just the fact that, uh, you know, you, you just have this whole... The, is the it animating world Jewry, this Israeli culture? I mean, it's certainly animating... You have Gal Gadot in animating Hollywood and, you know, Homeland... <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about that, right? Fauda and Homeland. Yeah, yeah. And, so yeah. You, you have... But, but, our, but is our, world, is world, world Jewry... Infused with the new creativity coming out of Israel, which is building Jewish identity, or is world Jewry not connected to it enough and they're assimilating well, out of existence? I would say that to I saw Daniel Gordas number about a year or two, a couple, I don't know where, at a conference. And I think that, and his point was, and I think this is a very good point, is that like this Israel identity that we talk about that is building world jewelry is just way too focused on superficial politics, mm -hmm. you know, and one could, without a real deep knowledge of the culture and, uh, and so, nation that we have to focus much more on that if we're talking about Israel education. And I think he's right. I mean, I mean, I don't know um, how many, look, Edgar Carrot is translated to English. Amos Oz is translated to English. How much yeah. is that? You have oh, so, Israeli music so, in yeah. English. You well, have... by the way, I think that, that we could say the huge failure of the Zionist movement, if we're going to say that in, in cultural Zionism, is is that world jewelry, or at least American jewelry, just doesn't know Hebrew. Because uh, like Argentinians, doesn't know Mexicans Hebrew. know Hebrew. He doesn't participate the way, in the We're co focusing because of the biggest community. But your South American and Central American uh, uh, Jews and even North Mexican Jews have better Hebrew literacy. Much, much better. I don't Hebrew think Europe literacy. does. 
Europe probably doesn't. Uh, but so that Hebrew, li- Hebrew England, literacy definitely. and yeah. Hebrew culture. Yeah. Are a shut door. That that's what? a good point. Good yeah. point. I, I have to say that, that was a, that's a strong point about the exporting of Hebrew, Hebrew literacy. Central to that ideology and it didn't really work. Well, by the way, I mean, probably 100, 150 years ago, diaspora Jews were much more Hebrew literate. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, we were in the 70s when I was a kid. Uh, political Zionism. Political Zionism. Um, well, Israel is accepted under the United Nations Charter as a standing nation that's not really being challenged in any significant no, way. Correct. Uh, huge, huge success, probably beyond Herzl's dreams. Who couldn't have imagined the United Nations, let alone you know, or a League of Nations. Yeah, the end of the Herzl Museum on Har Herzl has like this film clip about all of the accomplishments of modern Israel that Herzl would have been amazed at. You know, comparing it to what he wrote in Alt Neuland about the modern state. Um, you know, being being a modern state of the nations and one of the stations that, that all those things, all those accomplishments we've talked to up to now fall into his economy, mm-hmm. culture, right? All of those uh, are definite positives. I and think disappointments? That, uh, I, I wouldn't call Israel pariah nation, but there is an out, we, as we all have, always have to acknowledge a-, a We do oh, not have a normal status we don't in the world community. No, we're an over-focused on our negativities and the well, problems we have. Well, we're over-focused, we A. There's just yeah. ridiculous amount of attention paid to us based yeah, on our size. Exactly. Which would be great if it was positive. If it, I mean, some of it is positive. Some of it is? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that sort of normalization hasn't occurred. But again, right. with only 45% of the people there, right. we don't have the data yet to test Herzl's hypothesis. That right. always gets under my skin when people say, well, I guess Herzl was wrong. There's still anti-Semitism. Yeah, Israel's not yeah. normal yet. 45% of the population living here is not the return to a normal nation right. status. Herzl and the Zionist argument was that anti-Semitism exists as a symptom of the abnormal state of the Jews right. in the diaspora. Since that abnormal state has right. not right. That was, shifted. Uh, right. That was Herzl. And that was Herzl's focus. The problem was anti-Semitism. So we, if we have our own sovereign state, that'll go away. Mike's uh, take on this is, well, we're not normal yet. When we have right. our own sovereign state where most of our citizens are living in the country, then yeah. Um, we'll wait, have to wait and see. I'm a little bit more pessimistic on that, but okay. I don't know what the I, result will be. I, I I'm think not predicting. thing called anti-Semitism is so bizarre. I'm not predicting that, the result. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I am saying. We don't have the right test case yet. The hypothesis has not been tested. Right. I, I am saying that the definition of anti-Semitism is a diaspora phenomenon. And that if the definition changes, that's fine. But in the meantime, whatever, that's a different conversation. I think that's remarkable success. I think Herzl and the political Zionists trying to get international recognition of Israel would would see success beyond their wildest dreams and also disappointment in key, very basic ways. Right. Uh, You know, of Israel, they really, Herzl also really wanted a, a society of real, you know, justice and equality. And Israel has real... Right. Problems of lack of social justice, of 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 you know rich and poor and poverty Whatever. and yes, as as we talked about the strong pro, economy, know. we'll also talk about that Israel has one of the greatest uh, um, wealth gaps in in the, Huge in the Western wealth. world, the OECD, which is so that's something that he agreed with with the labor Zionists. Support, the, yeah. He may have disagreed about the method. He he may not have been as uh, uh, Marxist in his idea for the yeah. solutions, but he expected the modern state to get have be able to get past those sort of classist 
right. oligarchic problems that Europe had and be a more right. homogeneous state. And uh, now we, we could see one of those problems is is that Israel's also not only economic discrimination, also racial discrimination yep. or ethnic, you could say, of those subgroups of of Israelis and Israeli Jews who are living here, whether they be Mizrahi or Ethiopian. Um, and certainly Arabs, that there's you know obvious discrimination that's that we have to that we have to address, which I think would trouble all the above. No, yeah, no, I do think it's interesting that today, last night, um, uh, uh, Kochavi Shemesh, who was one of the founders of Israel's Black Panther movement, a, a Eastern Jewish Mizrahi rights movement that uh, started Jews in the from 1970s, the Middle East and North yeah. Africa, yeah, that started in the 1970s in a Musrara neighborhood in Jerusalem. He passed away last night. He was like the ideologue. Um, and he still, until his last day, was still fighting for for equality amongst Israel's uh, uh, different groups. We have very um, little time. Religious yeah. Zionism, massive success, massive disappointments? I don't even, I mean, anyway, religious Zionism, um, massive success is, I, whoa. First of all, I think, I think it is fair to state that the rejuvenation of, of, Judaism, in an orthodox religious sense, is all happening in Israel, um, and it has reverberated to the to the diaspora. Thriving um, yeshiva movement, thriving yeshivas. I mean, more people learning yeshivas in Israel than ever, for sure. Has their yeshivas has being their, at the forefront, becoming more important in the yeah. army and in Israeli life in general, sure. becoming more uh, sort of almost similar to what we were talking about earlier that kibbutznikim were the yeah. ideological. Vanguard, to a large extent, yeah. the religious Zionist world has become members yeah, of the religious so. Zionist have, have have stepped up to very that. Much so. With the with the, also the Mechinol, the pre-army preparatory disappointments programs, uh, disappointments. Um, well, you could say I think for the religious Zionist perspective, Israel is still a. I mean, uh, the modern um, secular culture is still. Prevalent. I don't know that that would have disappointed that, the original ideologue. Well, it depends I which think, religious Zionism is complicated because well, you have Zionism. All the movements are, we just happen to be. Yeah, so uh, oversimplifying. Oversimplifying them all. But I, I still think the fact that that toy is the thing that represents Israel in the modern world is a disappointment to Maybe to I, I would Zionists point to something more. Cultural Zionists that to be, I would point to, to really be a vanguard, to be the spearhead at the head of a culture, you have to have followers. And I don't think... I don't think, and I think mar largely for for the, due to the faults of often religious leaders or religious people, most Israelis don't look to the religious Zionist community. I think they are they are seen as separate. They are valued for doing some good things, but they they themselves often set themselves apart in ways that uh, I don't think I don't think the religious Zionist world is in a good dialogue with the rest of Israel. So yeah. the, I don't know. Uh, I'm less. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not so sure. I mean, I think Israel in general. That's like all of Israel is splintered in into. Its I understand, group, so but the so idea sure of religious to... Zion. I was always taught that religious Zionism was meant to be the bridge movement between religious who maybe aren't as nationalistic and nationalists who maybe aren't as religious, and we should be some sort of bridge as religious Zionists. That's what I was taught. Well, so I mean, I guess pe people I are certainly arguing that because of the over focus on the on the territories. Overfocus on the territory by Yehudi, right. a religious Zionist political movement merging with a racist party. Right. Uh, racist, uh, you know, the news showing teachers in in uh, religious preparatory programs teaching openly racist right. ideologies. 
Uh, and so Israelis look at religious Zionist world and they go, wow, that's not for me. Yeah, but again, um, I would say on the other hand, like what I think what forms most people's, in general, what forms your impressions of the people you meet personally. And religious okay. Zionists are, are in every aspect of society you meet religious that's Zionists, from, not only from the army, but that's every great. business. I think, they, every, I, think, you know, I think, you know, Ref Cook would be crushingly defeated by the fact that on Israeli news, people are watching teachers with, you know, Kipots with uh, crocheted kippahs saying, you know, oh, Hitler was totally right about everything he said. He just had the wrong people. But uh, I think that would be a crushing blow to Rivka. It could be. On the other hand, very often, who's the guy who's the the reporter who is reporting that and doing that is a religious Zionist. Yeah. Because they've now, now religious Zionists have much more influence in the... Yeah. In, and by the way, the, the, the religious woman who was the, uh, how do you say, the mancha of the... Of the ceremonies in from Yom from Yom Zikron and Yom Atzmut, the present the MC, the, the presenter, MC, yeah, a religious woman, clearly a religious woman with a head covering, and yeah, of course, religious people criticized. Not okay. religious people. Wasn't there it? were religious people who criticized oh, her as also. not being oh, so, whatever. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a, no, no, huge successes, so, and I think huge disappointments. Yeah, like every movement, Arabs very quickly. Uh, Too quick. We don't have time. Where I think Isn't we also that, didn't do revisionism. And that's the story. Oh, and we didn't do revisionism and Arabs. We don't really don't have time. And that's the, that's the story of the of starting with labor Zionists. I'm that's telling it. you, that's we the, have recapitulated the history of Israel. We've done we've done exactly what the labor Zionists did: wrote their own narrative and written the revisionists and the Arabs out of it. <laughs> oh well, well either we'll have to pick that up in a sequel or yeah, I guess. I guess we'll have to do say, a bonus episode right or something because we're we're right in if you want us to do a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Michael put up a voting thing on the Facebook page if you want us to do I a, could do that. A, a sequel. We'll see how yeah, many bonus actually people episode. Uh, oh, respond. I, <laughs> I shudder to think. Uh, well, okay. thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Enjoy the, this new year of Israel, and hopefully it'll be a year of peace and prosperity I mean. and the fuller realization of the dreams, even if, I don't know that we can hope for all the dreams to be met in one year, but at least that we get closer to. By the way, I, I think that's overall, I don't think we should expect any of these movements to be totally successful. I think that's a sign of health, that each movement found things it could be happy about and things that would disappoint it means that we're doing overall pretty well. That's 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 what you should expect in a dem democratic nation state. So I mean, I, I think this was good news, and God willing, we should have more good news in the coming year. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Mike. As always, thank you, Ben, for engineering us to the end of the episode, which this is. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is the part where I remind you that we are the Ju Israel Teachers Lounge podcast, and it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye.